0: Praise the Lord. Open up to Genesis chapter 1, get something to take notes with this morning, and if you want to learn to pray, go hang around people who know how to pray. That's my best prayer equipping I could ever give anybody. Genesis chapter 1, praise God. Is it good to be in church this morning? Oh, love it. Is it Chris Awesome. All right, we're going to continue our Build the Home series that we've been doing to kick the year off. I believe this is number six. The last, uh, next week will be the last week of this series. So I was wondering, I was asking this morning, you know, when this is going to get easier to preach. So I haven't found that yet. So we've talked about God's vision for the home. We've talked about men and masculinity, women and femininity, marriage, sex, and when all that happens, you get babies. So today we're talking about parenting. Parenting, part six, I think it is. Would you stand for the reading of the word of God? Genesis chapter one, verse 26. Is this sounding familiar yet to anybody? Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Lord, we are so thankful again just to be in your presence this morning and to celebrate you in worship and in prayer and in gathering and communion and Selah and all the things, and Lord, we uh, come to your word this morning, and uh, we just we ask for the reality of all the songs that we've just sung together, that you would take over our lives by the word of God, that we wouldn't just sing praise, we would live praise. We would live in obedience and in accordance with your word in all things to show you that we love you and to show the world that we are your disciples. And we set ourselves before you this morning in humility and in weakness and in desperation, and we need to learn from you, Father. We need to learn from you. That's what we're here for. You don't need to prove anything to me. I just want to learn from you. We confess you as Lord, creator God of all things. All things are to you and through you and for you, including us. Teach us this morning and equip us for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and take a seat. <clears throat> Parenting. Parenting the thing we all want to learn about, but we don't want anybody to tell us how to do, right? right. <laughs> when it comes to parenting, what, what is it that we're aiming for as a parent, as a mom or a dad? What, what are we aiming for with our kids? What's the goal here? Are we trying to get out of their way? Are we trying to let them be themselves? Are we trying to control them so that we make sure they do the right thing? Are we here to make them do what we want them to do? Do they, are they supposed to all get straight A's and go to a good college, marry a good guy or marry a good girl, just don't do drugs and be happy? What exactly is it that we're shooting for here as parents, as moms and dads? I think if we want to know where to go next, we probably need to start with trying to figure out where are we trying to end up. It's a good way to see if your next step is the right step. So where is it that we're going? So to all of those questions, you know, I just want to say, yes, you know, your, your child is unique and parenting your unique children is your unique challenge. And every parent said, amen. <laughs> every parent said, amen. amen. There's more of you in here than that. And your child has specific needs. And, or as Father Steve says, and, not but, amen. and, and your child needs what every child needs. Your child needs what you need. Because your children are human, amen? (laughs) Because your children are human, they are made in the image of God, and they are to reflect God's image just like you are. We found some common ground with the kiddos. All right, that's a good place to start. You're not a robot, and you don't need to raise robots. You're not perfect, and you don't have to be. Your kids aren't perfect, and they don't have to be. Kids aren't burdens or projects or monsters or angels. They are gifts, and they are blessings, and they are humans like you, made in the image of God and like you, called to reflect the image of God. You are trying to be a disciple of Jesus, and your goal as a parent is to raise disciples of Jesus. Now, this morning, I cannot walk you through your exact situation, but we can begin discussing what the Bible tells all of us to do with all of our children. And just like when you set your unique self to the side for just a second, and you give yourself totally to the things that all Christians are called to, And when you take a second to set your unique marriage to the side and you give yourself totally to the things that all Christian marriages are called to, you find that those general things take care of most of the things that you thought were so unique about you. I'm offending people. (laughs) I'm sorry. When, when we give, this is freeing, when we give ourselves to the general things that all parents are called to when parenting all children, I believe that you're going to find a lot of clarity and benefit for when you do need to engage some of the unique situations that you find yourself in. In the same way that discovering your unique calling starts with you being faithful to all of the things that all Christians are called to, Pause for a second. Your unique calling is found first in setting yourself towards all the things that all Christians are called to. If you'll take care of that, God will take care of your unique part. Okay. Play. Back into this one. In the same way that discovering your unique calling starts with being faithful to all the things that all Christians are called to, parenting your unique children starts with being faithful to all of the general parenting things that God has outlined for all godly parents. So I am not standing up here today as an expert parent. And my goal is to give you a grand total of zero of my opinions. And I'm not going to try to teach you a single thing I've learned from experience. I have zero stories to tell. We are going to search the scriptures to learn from God. What are his foundational instructions to parents as they are fruitful and multiplying image bearers for his glory? That's what I want to know. I don't even I don't want to know my opinions. And you sure don't. I want to know what is it that God has outlined For all of us, as we are aiming to be fruitful and multiplying image bearers for his glory. So today is not a parenting seminar that will give you the formula that you need to be the perfect parent. And we are not searching scripture today for God's formula for parents. We are going to search scripture for God's assignment for parents. If you haven't noticed yet, this series is largely built around assignments. And we're going to go after Assignment today. Today is not about Andrew's formula for parenting. Today is about God's assignment for parenting. Everybody say, assignment. What we have found in previous weeks is that male and female, masculine and feminine, are not personality types or social constructs. They are assignments. They are assignments from God that supersede personal preferences. And changing social norms. We've seen that being a good husband or a good wife does not start with exploring your unique self or your unique spouse or your unique marriage. It starts with understanding God's unchanging assignments for husbands and for wives. Marriage and sex are not human ideas that humans get to define as they please, they are gifts. From God to humans for us to engage in under his design in order to accomplish his purposes. In the same way, being a good mother or a good father does not start with analyzing the unique home you grew up in. Clarifying what your mother or father did or didn't do for you parsing out the unique needs of your child versus other children, or trying to navigate the specifics of your dreams, your marriage, your career, and your preferences. There is a time and a place for those things, but being a good mother or a good father starts starts with understanding your assignment from God as a parent and as a mother or a father. Genesis 1:26 tells us that the assignment for parents is to be fruitful and multiply by raising sons and daughters to be men and women of God. Another way to say it is in Proverbs 22, verse 6. It says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So I've got a slide for you so you can write this down. Your assignment. As a parent, this is your assignment as a parent. We're just going to stick with the Genesis 1 instead of working in Proverbs 22 as well. That was just sort of to affirm what we're talking about here. Genesis 1, 26 through 28, assignment to parents is this. Parents are to be fruitful and multiply by raising sons and daughters to be men and women of God. This is your assignment. Isn't, oh, okay. It may be coming on the screen. Parents are to be fruitful and multiply. Go ahead and take that off. Yeah. Parents are to be fruitful and multiply by raising sons and daughters to be men and women of God. Parents are to be fruitful and multiply by raising sons and daughters to be men and women of God. So let's dig into this assignment. How do we, how do we accomplish this assignment? How do we go after that? <clears throat> I think the first question that we have to ask is, are there unique roles for fathers and mothers in parenting, like there are unique roles for men and women in creation, and for husbands and wives in marriage? I think maybe by the way I asked the question, you have a hint on what I think the answer is. I'll give you one guess that starts with why. Yeah. Yes, yes. Now, it wouldn't be a uh, build-the-home message, I don't think, if we didn't bring in a culturally loaded word. So today's guest, today's guest is patriarchy. Okay. Do we clap or do we burn it at the stake? I don't know. (laughs) What are we doing here? Dictionary.com defines patriarchy as this. A form of social organization in which the father is the supreme authority in the family, clan, or tribe. And descent is reckoned in the male line with the children belonging to the father's clan or tribe. A social system in which power is held by men through cultural norms and customs that favor men and withhold opportunity from women. So I summarize those definitions with this thought. That patriarchy, as we can kind of summarize, is the home being subordinate to the father's power or supremacy. I think that can be a fair capturing of what patriarchy means in those definitions in in the world that we're living in. The home being subordinate to the Father's power or supremacy. A guy named Andreas Kostenberger, you thought Zanaco was a mouthful, (laughs) in his book, Uh, God, Marriage, and Family, cites another guy named Daniel Block in his book, Marriage and Family in Ancient Israel, and he makes the following comments that... Wipe the fog off of our modern cultural lenses so that we can more clearly see what God is trying to show us. I'm just going to quote it. It's a little long because he says it better than I can. While most identify the ancient Israel family structure by the term patriarchy or rule of father, Bloch contends that the expression patrocentrism centered around the father may be better suited for this type of arrangement, since first, feminism has permanently discredited patriarchy, even in its non-abusive forms, by giving it a negative connotation. And second, patricentrism better reflects the normative biblical disposition toward the role of the head of a household in Israel. Like the spokes of a wheel, family life radiated outward from the father as its center. The community was built around the father and bore his stamp in every respect. Also, third, while the father indisputably ruled his household, the Old Testament rarely reflects on his power. That's real small on the screen. That's my bad. This is what I really want you to hear. Third, while the father indisputably, indisputably ruled his household, the Old Testament rarely focuses on his power. It was not primarily the power and privileges associated with the father's position, but rather the responsibility associated with his headship that were emphasized. Everybody say responsibility. Responsibility. To summarize all of that, God's design of the home is centered around the responsibility of the father. And the father has authority in his home in order to fulfill his responsibility to God. God's design of the home is centered around the responsibility of the father. And the father has authority in his home in order to fulfill his responsibility to God. Husbands and fathers, you are responsible not to your wife, not to your children, but to God to order yourself, to order yourself according to the glory of God. You are responsible to God to provide godly identity, godly direction, and godly provision for your family. And you are responsible to God to protect all of that with your life so that the kingdom of God can grow, be fruitful, and multiply to the nations of the earth. That's what we mean by the father's responsibility. Fathers, after, well, husbands too, husbands and fathers, after you have given yourself Better way to say it. After you've given your first and best energy every day to those responsibilities, then you can think about gaming or hanging with the boys or taking it easy. First and best energy to your responsibilities. Just like men have a unique assignment and anointing in creation, and husbands have a unique assignment and anointing in marriage, fathers have a unique assignment and anointing in parenting. Fathers, your unique assignment and anointing is this. Your unique assignment and anointing is to raise a child in the way he should go by ordering his or her identity as his son or daughter. Raise a child in the way he or she should go by ordering his or her identity as his son or daughter. That is the assignment and anointing of a father. Now, there are a lot of examples that we could give here through Scripture. Again, like I said a few weeks ago, the Bible doesn't teach like an encyclopedia teaches. It teaches through story, and so when we look at Scripture, what we see is lots of examples of this. For example, the patriarchs, through the first bit of Genesis, blessing their sons, establishing their identity as sons, what it means to have the name that they've been given, and what it means to carry on the legacy of the family. The Father blesses them in in an effort to convince them and assign to them and help them understand that the name they have means something. The name that they have, they don't just have a first name. They also have a family name. And that family name means something. It means they're bigger than something than themselves. It means they're inheriting something bigger than themselves. And it means they need to give something on that's bigger than themselves. God demonstrates this in Deuteronomy 28. We're not going to read the whole chapter. It's like 60-something verses, and it's a lot. But it demonstrates all of this. It demonstrates... The role of the father, because God reveals himself to his people as their father. So at the end of the, the Pentateuch in Deuteronomy 28, God's word, if you look Genesis through up, up to Deuteronomy 28, we kind of look at the Ark here. As we get towards the end of the Pentateuch, what we see is that God has laid out for his people, he's laid out for them their origin and their history. Where were they created from, and what has their journey been? What's their history as a people? And he's laid out their rules, and he's laid out their laws. Like we talked about in the first message of this series, God called out a nation for himself, but it wasn't in the sense of a geographical nation. He was calling out a family for himself. So the Pentateuch is the family story of the family of God. It's not just the history of a geographical nation. Can we track with that? So this isn't about being a geographical nation. It's, a, it's about being part of God's household. So God has the story of the household in the Pentateuch. It's about what it means to be not just a household, but his household. They aren't just a people. They are a people called by his name. They are called by his name to be his image to the nations. They are not a people for their own sake. Come on, guy. Are we there? Ah, this is good. This is amazing. So he's laid it out, and then he explains clearly, lands the plane here in Deuteronomy 28. You are my people. You you aren't just people. You aren't just a people. You are my people called by my name. And this is what that means. And he lays out in Deuteronomy 28. This is who you are. This is what it means to be called by my name. And this is what will happen if you obey. And this is what will happen if you disobey. Crystal clear, no emotions. The law is not about being good people. It's about being God's children. The law is not about being good people. The law is about being God's children. As God's adopted sons, our identity is defined by the name of our Father, and our actions are to be in accordance with His name. The Lord has given us his name and we are not to take his name in vain. That's what the first commandment is all about. Not not saying, oh my God. It's saying, no, you've been... (laughs) The Father said, I gave you my name. Don't bear this image in vain. So fathers... Make your name mean something. Make it mean something for your sons and for your daughters to have your name. If your name hasn't meant something in your family's past, make it start to mean something now. Don't just try to do what you think you will make your son proud. Do what you want your son to do for himself and for his sons. Don't just try to make your boy the man you want him to be. Pass on to your son the man he should want to be. Don't just aim to be the man that makes your daughter proud of you. Be the father that makes your daughter want to be your daughter. Live before God in such a way that a man has to earn the right for, his, for your daughter to give up your name for his. Ladies, Wives and mothers, we've talked about the responsibility of husbands and fathers. You are responsible before God to submit yourself entirely to the Lord, to his design, to his direction, and to his word. You are responsible to submit to, respect, and help your husband fulfill his responsibilities before God for your household. And you are responsible to nurture the needs of your husband and your children as the help of God To grow them into multiplying, fruitful image bearers of his nature. After you give your first and best energy to that every day, you can look at pursuing roles outside of that home. Mothers, you have a unique assignment and anointing in parenting. Your unique assignment and anointing is to raise a child. In the way he or she should go by nurturing his or her assignment to be a man or woman of God. Raise a child in the way he or she should go by nurturing his or her assignment to be a man or woman of God. In other words, you are not raising babies, you're raising adults. You aren't just raising your children. You are raising men and women who advance the kingdom of God. Oh, moms. In Michelangelo's La Pieta, we're going to put the picture up here if you're not familiar with. We see the beauty and the pain and the power of Mary having nurtured her call as the mother of Jesus. She treasured him as a child by accepting his conception with humility, carrying him to Bethlehem on the donkey, welcoming the gifts of the wise men and the shepherds and protecting him in Egypt. But she also nurtured him to be the man that he was called to be. When he went on his own to be in the temple, to be about his father's business, she didn't chastise him as a child. She supported him as a man. Sitting at the foot of the cross, we hear of the disciples deserting Jesus and onlookers encouraging him to stop his suffering as a sign unto them. But we do not hear of his mother begging him to stop his suffering as a mercy to her. She didn't just treasure her child. She treasured the man. Even to the point of receiving his lifeless body and going to honor him at his tomb. Her assignment as a mother wasn't just to have a baby. It was to nurture the calling of the man. And she fully submitted herself to that assignment. And she lived out. Her initial pledge to the Lord, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your will. A father will generally, pretty naturally raise men and women, but he must be intentional to embrace the assignment of raising sons and daughters A mother will generally, pretty naturally, raise sons and daughters, but she must intentionally embrace the assignment of raising men and women. This requires accurate vision and faithful discipline. Hebrews 12, 5 through 11. If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good. I find that verse encouraging. They tried their best, but God's got our good in mind. (laughs) So join the club that we may share his holiness. God's not mad at you. He's trying to get you to share his holiness. Ah, I want that for the moment. All discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Proverbs 3, 11 through 12 says this, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him who he loves. As a father, the son in whom he delights. Discipline. When we talk about discipline, we have to understand that discipline doesn't mean going to timeout or Spanking. It may include that, but it doesn't just mean that. Discipline is all instruction that aims at increasing virtue. Discipline is, it's, it's so many things. So, of, of course, it, it includes consistent and right chastisement, correction, rebuke, and consequence. But it also includes loving, feeding, nurturing, instructing, educating, Celebrating, teaching, equipping, and everything else. Good. Discipline is the whole training of the child into a man or woman of God. Can you take the slide down, John, please? Discipline is the whole training of the child into a man or woman of God. That means, then, that discipline is supposed to be principle-driven, not emotion-driven. It is to be centered, all discipline is to be centered on the will and the love of God, not on the desire or the ego of the parents. The end of discipline is the child becoming a man or woman of God not the child behaving perfectly for you. When when your children mess up, raise your hand if you ever mess up. Okay, your kids do too. When your children mess up, they need to be faithfully led in the way they should go. They don't need to bear the brunt of their parents' emotions. They need your order and your nurturing, not your fears and anxieties. Of course, disobedience, rebellion, sin, or even just childishness at the wrong time, it is frustrating and it's angering And it can be incredibly painful. And of course, it should be corrected. And I am not saying that that you're bad if you get frustrated or if you get annoyed or if you get angry or if you get hurt. I'm just saying that reacting in frustration and anger and hurt usually won't help you raise up a child in the way he should go. I want you to write all, let's, we're going to write this all down together, whether you have kids or not, whatever stage they're at, and I'm going to get a tattoo on my forehead this week because I'm, oh, sweet Jesus, help me. My emotional reaction to my kids' mistakes will rarely be the reproof, the Lord's reproof to the one he loves. It is hard, Beth. It's like the hardest. Like, seriously, the hardest. My emotional reaction to my kids' mistakes will rarely be the Lord's reproof of the one he loves. The rod is a tool of discipline for your child. It's not an outlet for our emotions. And Deuteronomy 28 shows us that God does not discipline out of emotion. He shapes and trains and encourages and rebukes out of clarity. He disciplines towards righteousness, and he disciplines in righteousness. I've been getting asked quite a bit by some empty nesters, where where do you fit into all of this? Dads, you're still the dad. A son does not grow out of his need to know he is your son when he leaves the house. A daughter does not grow out of her need to know she is your daughter when she leaves the house. (laughs) Keep strengthening identity in your children. That's where you fit into this. You never stop. Never stop ordering their identity as your son or daughter. Moms, a son doesn't grow out of his need to know that he's called to be a good man when he leaves the house. A daughter doesn't grow out of her need to know she is called to be a good woman when she leaves the house. Keep nurturing godly masculinity and femininity in your children. They need your nurturing. It looks different, but the end is always the same. Keep going. Keep going. Now this whole conversation can be really difficult. We've covered a lot of ground and we've got a podcast coming out to hopefully talk more about this if you want to, Put some questions, but regardless, this is hard. And this is difficult. It's hard for me for a lot of reasons. It's hard for all of us. It's hard because you're not this mom or dad. You weren't this mom or dad. You didn't have this mom or dad. Probably most honestly, with everybody in this room, you're just looking in the mirror, kind of like, I I'm trying, I'm I'm trying. I tried. Most of the time when we talk about parenting you just end up feeling like you're terrible. <laughs> but that's not that's not what God's desire is for you. God does not give us this clarity and this picture of the ideal to condemn us. He gives us the picture of the ideal so that we can repent for our sin and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit towards his design. He shows us the ideal so that we can boast in our weaknesses that the power of Christ might come upon us he showed the people the law in Nehemiah chapter 8 and they wept and mourned but he sent the prophet to say don't weep and don't mourn it is the joy of the Lord to be your strength when they saw the ideal they saw how broken they were but what they needed to see was how big God's grace is he reveals the ideal to reveal himself because You haven't been perfect, and you won't be perfect. You haven't been the perfect parent, and you won't be. But your children don't need your perfection. They need to know and walk with God. They're here to image Him, not you. Praise the Lord. The world doesn't need perfect parents. The world needs the grace of God. And when we surrender ourselves to the ways of God and boast in our weaknesses along the way, God's strength will be perfect in our weakness. The power of Christ will come upon us and we will reveal him to the nations. That is our hope, not our strength, not our own understanding, but the word and the grace and the power and the spirit of God himself. Would you stand as we end our time together? We're going to have our prayer team come up. If you need prayer for anything this morning, come and receive the prayer that you need and take these moments in worship to turn your gaze towards the Lord. Cry out for his mercy in our lives and let us set ourselves towards the direction that he has given us by his assignment for us. Lord, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the opportunity to be Parents to be parents spiritually, to be parents naturally. But we thank you that you are our Father. You are in heaven and your name is holy. We turn our eyes to you this morning and we ask that you would heal us and cover us in every way that we've been sinned against and in every way that we have sinned. And we're asking God for your strength and for your purposes in our lives going forward. Teach us how to repent and walk and reveal your nature to the nations and the power of the Holy Spirit. Come and strengthen us in our weakness, O Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.